Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning Steelers black and gold fix. That's right. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Boy, my weekend was, well, it was different. We'll put it that way. No, it has nothing to do with family or personal reasons. This has everything to do with the story, which I kind of broke. I don't even call it breaking news. I didn't break any news. I just reported what was told to me. In case you missed it on Saturday, but you go back and check this out on our podcast feed, I, I in, in this whole realm of that, that is now Fans First Sports Network and Steel Curtain Network, you get to know people, you get to talk to people. Some people have some really great connections and inside sources. And one of those individuals came to me and said, hey, Jeff, I got some news, man. I, I, and I'm not going to tell you who my source is. Like People are asking me on Twitter, who's your source? No, that's not how this works. Does Jeremy Fowler, does Ian Rappaport... Does Adam Schefter say who their sources are? No, they never do. Okay, so stop asking, number one. Second thing is, he says, i got to be honest, the Steelers are showing some serious interest in Chase Young. Oh, whoa, this is new. This is new. So I wrote the story, did the podcast, go back and listen to it. I'm not going to reiterate everything that I said there. But it was just incredible to me how, you know, everyone, a lot of people came at me and say, this guy's making it up. Anyone that's listened to me for any amount of time knows that, but why would I make this up? Why, why would I do that? It makes no sense. It doesn't. That doesn't prove anything for me. It doesn't help me at all. Why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. I, that, I didn't do it. I didn't make this up, okay? My source is solid. I stand by my source. No way, shape, or form do I say that this is a made-up thing or anything like that. So for me, I look at this, and it is what it is. I, interest does not mean they're going to make a move. So if Chase Young stays with Washington for this year, there's going to be people that come back at me and say, Jeff, you're an idiot, you're an a-hole, all this stuff. That's fine. Say what you want. I never said that it was imminent. I never said that they were going to make a move. I never said that it was a guarantee to happen. All I reported was what my source told me. That's it. And so it's kind of blown up, and that was my weekend. Other than that, I had a great weekend. I hope you did too, and I have a great Monday morning conversation for you today. Mark Bergen of Believe in Sports, Believe in Steelers. He does a show with Ike Taylor, who is now part of the Steelers scouting department. He is going to be joining me for the Monday morning conversation. We are going to be talking about storylines for the Steelers heading into this mandatory minicamp coming up this week, starting tomorrow, Tuesday. So we will be back. I'll be back with Mark right after this break for your Monday morning conversation. Stay tuned. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back. It is Monday. It's the Left Ride Podcast, which means it's time for the Monday Morning Conversation. I'm joined by Mark Bergen of Believe Sports, Believe in Sports, Believe in Steelers. Mark, what's going on? How are you? Jeff, thank you so much for having me. And it's part of the offseason where it's a little bit slower. We're trying to yeah. find storylines between now and the start of training camp, but talking Steelers football, name the time and place. I'm there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. You joined me last year. We about the same time, I think. And we talked about everything from Kenny Pickett, his rookie year. And we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff. But, you know, you mentioned that we still have one week left, right? I mean, one week of actual tangible news to discuss mandatory minicamp 
That'll be three days of work, three, maybe four. I think normally three days, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly. And then we hit that lull that you mentioned, those six weeks yeah. or so before training camp starts. But what I want to do with you today, Mark, is I wanted to drop down five storylines that everyone should be talking about before minicamp. Some of these will be obvious. Some of these might not be so obvious. How do you start anywhere other than the quarterback and Kenny Pickett? Now, last year, like I said, when I had you on the show, you predicted Kenny Pickett would start in week 10 after the after the bye week against the New Orleans Saints. You were a little off. He started week four against the Jets. I want you to think, because I haven't talked to you since then, after you saw what you saw in the second half of the season, the turnaround, the 7-2 and two finish, how Kenny Pickett led game-winning drives, fourth-quarter comebacks, things like that. Are you predicting like a Kenny Pickett jump or a sophomore slump here for the second-year former Pitt product? Certainly you hope for a jump. And let's make no bones about this, Jeff. Kenny Pickett helped save Matt Canada's job. Mm. Let's just point-blank yeah. period address that. And so when you start the 2023 season, the base has to be where you left off last season – that has to be your base. There can't be a regression. And with that, it's Kenny Pickett's development. Now, you get him a lot of help. You bring in Broderick Jones. You bring in his teammate, Agent Zero, in Darnell Washington. You get the Allen Robinson for like a dime on the dollar and what I thought was an absolute fleecing of the Rams in the trade there. So you get him some more weapons. You get him even more comfortable and again, you have to pick up where you left off at the end of last season. That has to be the base. It can't be, okay, where we started out early on in the 2022 season because point blank period, that's not going to cut it this upcoming season. Are you a believer in Pickett? Do you think that he will yeah. pick up from that base and will continue to progress? There were a lot of things he did if you watch the games that didn't show up in a stack sheet, that's the difference between winning and losing. Um, I'm talking about when it, knowing when to, to go down and maybe take a sack or knowing when to scramble, keep the clock moving. There's stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. I uh, think about last year against the Atlanta Falcons in a game that they ended up winning. And there was a play late in that game where he kept the clock running and it forces Atlanta to use a timeout that they would have otherwise normally wanted to have. There's more to the quarterback position than making the cross body throw and the throw that's going to wind up on sports center and make the highlights for touchdowns. And there's a maturity with him too. And this isn't the only thing to quarterbacking, but when you're the CEO, the face of the franchise, there's a belief in other teammates with the Steelers, but just he's cool, calm, and collected. And you've got to be very bullish about his prospects for the 2023 season, especially considering you look at all the young stud quarterbacks in the AFC. Who are the Steelers going to get to keep up with the Joneses, if you will? Because the AFC is a gauntlet when it comes to the quarterback position. There's a huge void. You've got Jalen Hurts, and then there's everyone else in the NFC. So it's like if you weren't going to draft Pickett at number 20 a year ago in the draft, point me to a solution to say this is a, a suitable option at the quarterback position for the Steelers. They were really fortunate that he fell that far in the draft, and you hope he continues to develop in his second season. And really, I think the biggest key for me is his health. Can he avoid the concussions? Can you keep him healthy throughout the duration of the 17 game season? 
that's more so what I'm concerned about compared to his development is keeping him healthy yeah. this upcoming season. They made a lot of improvements on the O-line. Hopefully that uh, that that whole picket fence, as they're calling it now, rings mm -hmm. true. But I want to ask you one last question about picket before we move on. Where in the world, in your opinion, and this is not you per se, but just general NFL broad-based landscape media, where's the disrespect coming from with Pickett in these rankings? I know the rankings mean nothing, <laughs> and it's literally just so people like us talk about it, yep. and it's media fodder. I understand all that. But when you have people that are putting guys like uh, – I saw one that had rookies that haven't even played in the league yet above Kenny Pickett. I've saw – I've Jeff, seen name names, name names in terms of players you're seeing seeing. Well, ranked the rookies above would Pickett. be Bryce CJ Stroud, I think, was above Pickett in one ranking. Uh Chris Sims did not go that far. I saw in his <laughs> rankings. He actually had um Pickett was, but he was still below some some guys that are just like really middle of the road quarterbacks. I'm not expecting Pickett to be top 10. I'm not expecting anything like that. But where in your in your opinion, as someone in the media, where do they get where are they seeing this? Is it the touchdown to interception ratio? Is it the way that he started? I don't find, I can't find it myself, but I'm a fan. Where do you think that? Comes I from? think it's the team stats, Jeff. And I think it's the struggles of the first half of the season and not looking yeah. at the season overall. And that's where you point the onus at Matt Canada, because the first half of the season, the offense wasn't very good. Now it wasn't just the quarterback play. I mean, a big key to that, that flip in, in, changing of the, the tides for the Steelers season is Najee Harris was heck of a lot more effective after the bye week on the back half of the season than he was in the front half of the season. You can go back and go game by game and look at his stats, but I believe he was like a full yard better per carry on the second half of the season than he was the front half. So, I mean, again, keeping up with the Jones as though you look at the quarterback talent in the AFC where it's like, okay, you know, off the top of my head, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Rodgers, uh, you know, you could go through and, and list the quarterbacks you'd rather have yeah. compared to Pickett, but you have to see how he develops from year one to year two. And I'm really excited about that. I mean, heck, Jeff, just look across the division when you're going against twice a year, former league MVP, um, Joe Burrow, who's taken the Bengals deep into the playoffs multiple seasons. And then if Deshaun Watson gets right, a few years back, the Texans were up, what, 21-24-0 against the, the Chiefs in the playoffs, a Chiefs team that went on to win the Super Bowl. Yep. So even within your own division, you have players who have demonstrated the ability to play the quarterback position at a high level. You have to keep up with that. Point blank, period. You have to keep up with that. So his development's absolutely vital, but you're getting pieces around him to where you don't have to just rely on Deontay Johnson and George Pickens on a nine route, play after play after play. You don't have to worry about, okay, what do we even have in Kelvin Austin the third? Because you bring in a veteran, an established veteran receiver in Allen Robinson, who I'm excited to see play with a competent quarterback for the first time in his career. Yeah. Um, if Calvin Austin the third doesn't cut it, Akeem Butler, like, I don't want to take too much from the XFL highlights, but he was a man amongst boys in the XFL, yes, the tight end position. And then, hey, if you're struggling at the quarterback position or running back is your best friend and the Steelers have a decent duo in Najee and Jalen Warren. So they have the pieces around him and on paper, like there aren't any other excuses at this standpoint for to say, oh, hey, if we're going to struggle this season, 
like we did at the start of last season where everyone was young. Like Deontay Johnson was the elder statesman last season. And he was like, what, 26 or 27 years old a year ago. And he was like the most established veteran skill position player. So it was a very young offense. And think about how the team is split up two a year ago as well. You had the highest paid defense in the league in terms of salary cap allocation. I believe it was the lowest on offense. So where you're spending your dollars and cents, sometimes that's going to reflect on the field. But with what's still a young offense, you've got to continue to develop. And again, I go back to you have to start this season where you finished last season. There can't be a regression to say, oh, we're back to square one where we were at the start of the 2022 season. It ain't going to cut it. And if it is, I'm saying this right now, Matt Canada is not going to be for long, but they bring him back. And Jeff, like this is where I think about this too on a deeper level. It's kind of where Mike Tomlin is the victim of his own success. And here's what I mean by this. As a defensive coach, if the Steelers were to have ripped the the, the Band-Aid off and saying, okay, we'll fire Matt Canada and bring someone else in. If they were to bring in a young stud offensive coordinator, like say a Byron Leftwich, or there, there were other names available, other great offensive minds this season. If that guy who would have replaced the offensive coordinator, taken over and had success in Kenny Pickett's second year, it's very likely that another team would have wanted to poach that offensive coordinator to take over as a head coach. We saw it happen yeah. with Brian Flores going to the Minnesota Vikings as a defensive coordinator. So I'm hoping that continuity helps Pickett. That's the glass half full perspective. And that's where, again, that's where you have to start this season. I'm rambling at this point. No, that's okay. And you, there's a great transition. You just went, did a fantastic job bringing us through the offense and what it looks like now compared to what it looked like a year ago, talking about skill position players. And that's the second storyline here heading into minicamp. And that is, you know, Matt Canada, he has a whole new slew of weapons. You know, I mean, last year at this time, we were talking about Pickett, sort of kind of knew there was going to be a, there's going to be a period where he was getting acclimated. George Pickens, what's he going to look like coming off the injury in college at Georgia? But now he has a full complement of weapons at his disposal, a new offensive line. I guess my question for you is, do you think that Matt Canada with this new look offense is capable? Or do you think that the writing's on the wall that this is his last year as it's his last year of his contract? Man, that's a great question. I wish I could like have a crystal ball and shake it up and know the answer because I think <laughs> the that, magic eight the, ball. <laughs> well, the answer to that I think is going to be indicative of how the Steelers perform this season. The glass half full perspective is the Steelers are a year early and they continue to develop the offense to where maybe not this season they're contenders. Maybe they win a, a playoff game for the first time in several years, but then next year would be the year to say, hey. We're not just here to win the division. We're here to go win another Lombardi. We're here to get number seven. That would be the hope. And there's no excuses. Like, like, Like Jeff, this is where I'd say is there's no excuses because you have everything you need on this offense. And I've joked around and said that now that Omar Khan's at the helm as the general manager and no longer the money man, he's been very aggressive this off season into where it's every single time the Steelers have made a move, it's, well, that's great, but they still have this glaring hole to fill. Well, every single time that's happened, he's made another move to address what the issues were. And so you're three, four, five guys deep at some positions now to where that competition hopefully brings out the best in the players within the roster. And so whether it's at the receiver position, 
we kind of compare it sometimes on our shows to a different style of car, whether you want the Bugatti or the Cadillac or the Escalade. So the receiver, you've got different styles of receivers. You have several talented tight ends. And I think Connor Hayward will move more into a fullback position this year, kind of more so how the Steelers use Derek Watt from an offensive standpoint, because Friermuth, Gentry, Washington, I think are going to get the vast majority of the snaps. Washington, who like, I'd love to see with the ball in his hands is going to serve as like a de facto extra offensive lineman as an extra offensive tackle, the way he's able to move bodies at the line of scrimmage. Like if you watch Georgia football at all, these last two seasons, it's like, who are the two tight ends at Georgia? And it's like, Oh, agent zero Washington. And then Brock Bowers, who still has another year of college eligibility left before he'll be a top pick in the 2024 draft. So you're set at tight end. I mean, offensive line to me is kind of the question mark is how quickly they can develop continuity. And that was the one thing you could say about last year's group is that they pretty much started all 17 games together, which not many teams were able to say. And the young offensive line did get better on the back half of the year. Running back, you're pretty much set. You hope Najee continues to develop. And then Again, at the receivers, it's like the onus isn't just on Deontay Johnson to find it, to play pitch and catch underneath. Like, I do want to see Canada use George Pickens in creative ways other than just to say, hey, it's third down and eight, third down and long. We're going to send you on a go route and go make a play one-on-one. Like, if that's the strategy, that's not going to cut it. Like, let's get him the ball in space in creative ways. If you want to bracket him or Deontay, other players have to win one-on-one matchups. I think that's where Allen Robinson helps. And then Pat Fryermuth's been a great security blanket throughout his pro career so far. Again, injuries are really the only thing that have slowed him down from the receiving standpoint of the tight end position. You have talent at every single part. The sum needs to equal its parts is how I would answer that question, Jeff. It, it's, it's point, it, it has to happen with Canada. And if there's any struggles at all, it's like, yeah, the writing is on the wall because I was on the record saying I wanted Canada gone a season ago. Yeah. Yeah, and and so, unfortunately, I don't see the Steelers as being a team that would ever pull the rug out from underneath his feet mid-season. I just Correct. don't think I they're I, I don't think they're that type of organization. Even if things were like really dismal at times, I just think they're going to say, hey, we're just going to bide our time. And at the end of the year, we're not going to extend his contract. We've seen that song, that story play out a bunch of times. But you bring up a lot of – go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say to interrupt you really quickly, the saving grace is with a young quarterback, you don't want to just keep recycling through offensive coordinators. So the argument to keep Canada is you don't have to learn a new system. You don't have to learn brand-new terminology. And, you know, hopefully there's a healthy marriage between quarterback, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, head coach. to Keep that continuity. Like, again, looking across the division – look what happened a few years ago with Baker Mayfield. Now I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to light the world on fire, but as a former number one overall pick when he was in Cleveland and he has new coordinators every year, sometimes multiple in a single season, how are you setting the player up for success in that regard? So if you are a Canada supporter, that's the argument to keep him to say, let's keep that continuity to help our young quarterback develop And with young quarterbacks in the NFL, too, it's not always a linear progression. There's times, certain weeks, they'll look like, okay, this is why this quarterback was a first-round pick. There's other weeks where it's like several interceptions, and you're like, is this guy already a bust? I'm not talking about Kenny Pickett, per se, here. 
but it's not always going to be, oh, well, he's getting better week to week. Sometimes he might have a, a bad game here or there. Um, to me as well, on the back half of the year, Pickett did a better job of risk management in protecting the football. First few games, there's chances that you have to take. I get that in a football game, you know, and not all interceptions are created equal. I think some can serve as like arm punts, if you will. I think that context is important too. But protecting the football, I mean, a lot of times in, in the NFL, it's as simple as you win the turnover battle, you win the game. Yeah, and so Matt Canada is the, I mean, we all hope that it pans out. We all hope that these new weapons uh, do turn into equate to more points and, and more efficiency, especially in the red zone. But you brought up a lot of new faces, and this goes to the defensive side of the ball as well. And this kind of has us leaving the offense as a specific unit. This has us leading to, Think about names like Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts. You're talking about um, Keanu Neal. You bring in the rookies. They're new faces as well. So Keanu Benton, Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice, the offensive side. You already mentioned the offensive line. Isaac Sayamalu is the biggest acquisition there. With all these new faces and new places, whether you're a rookie or whether you're a free agent acquisition, you already mentioned the time that they need to gel, the cohesion. Do you think that this is going to equate to a slow start for the Steelers? They do have a lot of new faces on this team. I mean, Omar Khan and Andy Weedle have not, they have not, and probably Ike Taylor, your co-host on Believe, who's now on the scouting department. They did not waste time saying we need some roster turnover. They did that. Do you think that can equate to some slow starts in 2023? Well, it, week one is going to be a great barometer, Jeff. And part of it is, who's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers, but a right. team that was in the NFC championship a season ago. So that to me is going to be your measuring stick game to where I know it's one game, but at home, the fans are going to be fired up. It's the first home opener since I believe 2014. It's been a long time. It's been almost a yeah. decade mm -hmm. since the Steelers opened at home. That's going to be your measuring stick game right away. And then you week two, you've got a division opponent at Monday night football against the Browns. So division opponent, and it's like the, the division opponents I, I view a little bit differently than the rest of the other matchups. So you're going to know early on, in terms of struggling, like I, I I hope you bring in enough veteran players, whether on the offensive side of the ball, if it's an Allen Robinson, defensive side of the ball, the leadership that Patrick Peterson brings, and that he has played at a high level, an all-pro level, along with Minka Fitzpatrick, and they can pass their wisdom and knowledge onto the younger players. You mentioned the two linebackers. Now, the thing I like about um, Cole Holcomb, when he was in Washington, he wore the green dot on his helmet. So he was very adept at communication. This is, th that is a concern of mine. The defense is getting a little bit older. Now, Larry Okajobi is entering the season finally healthy, but Cam Hayward, I believe will be 34 years old. You hope that Keanu Benton, who tore up the senior bowl, can help keep those guys fresh along the defensive line. And that's to where they can sit out a play or a series and keep fresh legs. I would expect Cam Hayward to have a very country club type style training camp to make sure, because when he steps on the field between the lines, that dude brings it. Right. So I, I certainly hope not. And I hope whether it's um, Keanu Neal as well, a, a veteran player that, there's enough veteran presence and veterans that have played at a high level in this league that can bring that sauce, if you will, 
to Pittsburgh in terms of, hey, here's what my pedigree is. Here's how I've played at a high level in my respective playing career. Let me bring my brand of football to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That that would be how I would approach that. But for, for me, in terms of continuity, Jeff, for me, it's the offensive line. Now, you mentioned Andy Weidel. It seems that, like I don't find it to be a coincidence that you bring over two offensive linemen from his days uh, playing for the Eagles, players that previously played right. for the Eagles. For me, it's the offensive line and how it is important in protecting Kenny Pickett, but also developing continuity and a rhythm in the running game. And this is where if you're Najee Harris, instead of trying to be a gazelle, run like a moose, run more north and south than east and west. And, okay, you bring in Broderick Jones, which I was pumped about that pick. And Broderick Jones, the the enemy of my enemy is a friend. The trade with the Patriots prevented the New York Jets from drafting Broderick Jones, who would have gone at 15 instead of 14. So Broderick Jones gets to play with his college teammates and George Pickens in Washington. You protect Kenny Pickett's blindside, Jeff, let's hope for the next decade plus. You hope, yeah. Whether it's Dan Moore Jr. and Chooks of Korofor on the right side, you create competition there. How that plays out is fascinating to me. Or if you say, okay, Broderick Jones isn't going to start right away. However that plays out. But the fact that there you have three guys at that position for two spots, I think is good. And Broderick, uh, Broderick Jones is the first Steelers offensive lineman drafted in the first or the second round since David DeCastro in 2012. First left tackle drafted by the Steelers since 1996. So this was long overdue. And it's like we can talk about Matt Canada's struggles, the offensive struggles, Kenny Pickett's struggles at time, Ben at the end of his career. You know, I, I make the analogy with an offensive coordinator. You can't make a gourmet meal with bologna and potato chips. And this offensive line, really since Le'Veon Bell left town, hasn't been up to snuff and hasn't been to the standard that you hold the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's be real and honest here. You could point to offense. You could point to quarterback struggles, the offensive coordinator. The offensive line has not been good enough for the past four or five years. Yeah. It just hasn't been. So bringing in Broderick Jones making a lot of the moves that the Steelers did in free agency. Let's create the picket fence. Let's make that a priority and get back to playing Pittsburgh Steelers football. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And I hope there's not much of an acclimation period based on the veteran presence. Like you mentioned on that defensive side of the ball, you know, you have Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and think of Fitzpatrick. That's like your core three. Then you have like these position groups that, in my opinion, they, they really do lack depth. You know, the quality depth was a main focus this offseason, and you could see the front office, they hammered away. It's almost impossible to hit every position. There's still a few. What do you think about the Steelers' depth on the defensive side of the ball? I think if, if everyone's healthy in a perfect world, they're fine. Mm-hmm. We don't live in a perfect world, and injuries happen. What do you think about the Steelers' defensive depth? Which position do you think, Jeff? Like, like, let's let's go to a. Where I feel like it's a little lacking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, inside linebacker is number one. Yeah, I think that you know. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if, if Landon Roberts goes down, I mean, you have Mark Robinson, and that's it essentially. Unless you're going to bring Tanner Muse down, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's your best option. Miles Killebrew again, same thing. Uh, one position that I'm there's two two in the secondary cornerback. You know, Corey Trice is getting all the headlines. And rightfully so. He's making plays in minicamp. 
Joey Porter Jr. is not getting as many of the headlines, but he's just been of, of everything we've read and I've read is that he's been steady Eddie and he's been in Patrick Peterson's hip pocket learning as much as he can mm -hmm. from the veteran. That's good. But if you're banking on two rookies to potentially be big time playmakers, mm -hmm. that can equate to problems. And lastly is safety. Because when I look at the safety position, you have Minka who's all world. You don't mm -hmm. need to say anything about him. Yeah. Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal is not Terrell Edmonds. Far from it in terms of coverage. He can play the box. He can hit. He can run. Mm -hmm. That's not Stumper. his problem. Mm -hmm. He's not good in coverage. And then you have Demonte KZ, who's your center fielder. Mm -hmm. One of those guys goes down. I've got questions. What do you think? I see. I think linebacker is totally fair. Um, before the signing of Marcus Golden, I would have pointed to edge rusher because I would have as well. You have TJ Watt, who's all world when healthy, but battled injuries a year ago. And I hope that doesn't become a thing for him. Get back to a season where he wins defensive league MVP. And he not only breaks or excuse me, ties Michael Strahan's record, but he also led the league in TFLs that season as well. Like people miss out on that. And it's like, Oh, by the way, he played 15 games that season. And there were three games in which he played where he played fewer than 50% of the team's defensive snaps. So if he's healthy for a full season long, like a 30-piece might be a bit aggressive, but he would have broken Michael Strahan's oh, yeah. record had he remained healthy. So you got to keep him fresh. He might not be able to play all 100% of the plays. That's fine. Alex Highsmith, who I thought matured and developed in Watt's absence, is entering a contract season. But outside of those two guys, the signing of Marcus Golden – was perfect because when you brought in um was it Melvin Ingram a few seasons back and he yes. just wanted to yes. get on the field in any way possible Marcus Golden's even told media members I don't care if it's one snap or 30 I'm going to fulfill my role here and he's demonstrated the ability when he's been on the field that he can play and, and produce now you're not expecting him to start all 17 games because he's struggled with injuries, but I think he's in a perfect role in Pittsburgh at this point in his career on a very favorable contract as well. Inside linebackers where it gets interesting, if you had an injury, would you consider moving a Watt or a Highsmith or Melvin Ingram around in the event that that would happen? Uh, I'd be very curious about that. Uh, the secondary, I'm not so much as concerned about, though, because you had to do something. Again, look across the division. Baltimore and re-signing Lamar Jackson, they get him weapons to appease him. OBJ, Zay Flowers in the draft. I didn't even need to start with Cincinnati. They have maybe the best receiver trio in the league. Right. And then don't sleep on Amari Cooper in Cleveland, who just consistently churns out 1,000-yard seasons and is a great route runner. So again, keeping up with the teams in your division, you had to do something at the cornerback position. To me, it's like, I would have been cool. Like, tell me if you're along the same lines, Jeff. I'd have been cool if the Steelers had drafted Joey Porter Jr. at 17 and they get him at 32. So to me, that's great value in understanding how the draft shook out. Like, are, are you of the same thought oh, process? Yeah. In terms of value, yeah, I don't think any Steeler fan would have been shocked if the Steelers stayed at 17 and took Joey Porter Jr. first overall. Like, I mean, it, anyone that would be shocked, in my opinion, hadn't been paying attention to the entire lead-up and all the mock drafts and all the predictions and all that stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. There was a tremendous value in this draft. If you're going to describe it in one way, that's exactly how I describe it, value. I think with the inside linebackers, though, 
I, I hope there's not an injury. If there were, do you move a player around who plays a position that he normally otherwise wouldn't, or would you potentially make a trade at that standpoint? Uh, the depth there, you you can't do it all. I think Omar Khan, when there's been glaring holes, he's addressed them. Uh, if I could go back on the offensive side of the ball too, okay, if Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are your guys in the offensive backfield, who's playing the third running back position that Benny Snell's kind of fulfilled and it's going to be more of a special teams role. Yeah. Is that player capable of serving as a return man? That's another question mark is like, who's the Steelers kick returner and punt returner this year. I don't really know. Um, so those are other two other areas that I'm looking at and we'll see how all that shakes out. We will see in the last question I have, which does tie into something you brought up. You brought up, you know, if there's an injury to inside linebacker, we saw that happen where uh, I think it was Avery was Avery Williamson came in from the New York jets. Tough to do that mid season. Uh, we've seen other players be acquired. Uh, you saw someone like Quan Alexander come in and leave without a contract. Do you see this front office still making a move yeah. before training yeah. camp? Obviously, I was the one that brought up the whole Chase Young interest thing this past weekend, which trod, there's a lot of scuttlebutt over that. Uh, yeah. But still, do you see them making a move in any way, shape, or form before training camp? I do, and it might be – I know there's been rumblings, too, about Alex Highsmith's contract extension mm -hmm. as he enters the final year of his rookie deal. Whether it's a move, whether it's an extension – you look at overthecap.com and the Steelers have about $15 million to spend still. So what are you doing with that money? Whether it's bringing in a veteran player. Uh, I don't buy into the notion. I know there was also about there is like, Oh, could the Steelers bring in Delvin cook? And it's yeah. like, he's not going to want to split carries with Najee right. at this point in his career, even despite three consecutive seasons of declining production. But if you have the money to spend, how do you spend it? So I think something's in the works. I don't know all the specifics yet. I, I think to me, if I had to guess, I would guess an Alex Highsmith contract extension. Let's get, let's get to training camp. Let's get through the preseason. Do you have injuries of an area that you need to address after preseason? Let's get to week one on September 10th, Akershire Stadium against the 49ers as healthy as possible. I agree 100%. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be intriguing. And those are some things to watch in minicamp this week. Gave you five storylines. There's going to be a lot more of that. Make sure you check out all that content. But, Mark, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your social media, where they can check out your show, all that good stuff, because it is a good show with Ike Taylor. Go ahead and do that. Jeff, thank you again for having me on. You can check us out on Believe in Steelers, wherever you listen to your podcasts, on YouTube. If you just search Mark Bergen Steelers, our content will pop up. Uh, right now in the offseason, we are once a week, typically Mondays. Um, sometimes Ike and I, we do have busy schedule. He's been traveling a lot, uh, recruiting with his son, and then scouting for the Steelers leading up to the draft. Uh, but typically on Mondays at 5, uh, again, Mark Bergen Steelers. Check us out on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, Jeff, thank you again for having me on. A lot of fun no talking Steelers football. I'm sure we'll do it again next year, but in the meantime, enjoy this season, Mark, and we'll be, we'll be in touch. Jeff, thank you again. No problem. Take it easy. All right. A big thank you to Mark for taking the time out of his busy schedule to be with me on this Monday morning conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I am really geeked up for this mandatory minicamp. I'm also really excited for the Steelers to kind of 
get through this lull and get this season going with training camp at the end of July. It's going to be really exciting. I hope you are as excited as I am. Last thing, Tuesday, be on the lookout for the mailbag tweet. You should know this by now, but in case you forgot, every Tuesday morning, find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put out the tweet. You provide the questions. I give the answers every Wednesday on the mailbag segment, so be on the lookout for that. But that does it for me, folks. I hope you had a great start to your week. I hope you're tuning into all the Steel Curtain Network content that we provide. In the meantime, you know how you finish it out, right? Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Good